0: Thank you, Josh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning again, Shadow Bible Church. Uh, It's a pleasure to be able to be in the house of the Lord, and uh, a great privilege to be able to share the Word of God and uh, how God has been speaking to me through His Word, and my prayer is that as I share the Word of God, that you will receive the same impact that the Lord has had in my life. Uh, As I've gone through this passage, Um, the scripture that we are going to be spending time this morning is going to be from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verse 1 to 7, and if you're using the church Bible, it's going to be page 569, and if you do not own a Bible, please grab that. It it is a gift uh, from us to you. Uh, It is the greatest gift that you can have, It's, it's the Word of God. And so, will you please read with me? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. Let me sing for my beloved, my love son, concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted with his choice vines. He built a wash tower in the midst of it and heat out a vine vat in it. And he looked for, for it to your grapes, but your white grapes. And now the inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, Josh between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for me, for my, for my vineyard, that I've not done to it? When I look for, for it to yield grapes, what did it yield? Wild grapes. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its edges, and it shall be devoured. I will break it down, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it, I will make it a waste, and it shall be not pruned or hold, And briars and thorns shall not grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain, that rain, that they rain upon it, no rain upon it, for the vineyard is the uh, Lord of hosts, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are in pleasant planting, and he looked for justice but behold blushing; for righteousness but behold an outcry, this is the word of the Lord. And so, one of the, the purpose and the reason why I, I chose this passage is because it clearly describes the care and, and, and the love of the master has for his people, and that uh, this whole, over the summer, the, what we have been going through is, is the picture of the church. We'll be learning what are some, the picture of the church, how the church is being described in Scripture. And like I mentioned last week, pictures give us an idea of what things look like. It gives us a, a visual representation or visual illustration for us to really get a deeper understanding a deeper meaning of spiritual realities. I'm going to give you a quick example. Let's say that um, there's a person that, that hires you for a job. You, they, the person gives you a job description. You agree upon a, a particular payment, and so you right away agree, I'm, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna work hard. You start working hard, you work your two weeks that you were supposed to work, and uh, by the end of the week, you're excited to receive your payment. By the end of the week, you're excited to, to receive your monetary value, and all you receive is a lump of coal. How would that make you feel? It would not make you feel happy, it would not make you feel excited. You should be angry. You should be mad. Because you agree upon something. And what was given to you was not what you, uh, you worked for. And this is what this passage is all about. And this is what we're going to see uh, this morning. right? The, the Lord, we, the picture that we're going to be looking at today is the church as a vineyard, the church as a garden, So we're going to see how how the Lord um, is the one that that works in our life, that does everything for us to bear fruit and to grow. And often, rather than producing what he required of us, we do not produce that which he required of us. Will you please join me in prayer before I continue? Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much that you are a wonderful God and a wonderful Savior. We thank you so much, Lord, that you do everything possible for us to have a relationship with you, and not only to have a relationship with you, but that we feel cared for and protected so that we can grow. I pray, Father God, that you will speak this morning, that you will speak into our hearts. And as you speak into our heart, you bring about change that will be everlasting, oh God. Please, oh Lord, do this work in our life. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask. Amen. So I got four points that I would like to um, develop from these passages, four points. The first one is the care of the master, the care of the master. The second point will be the expectation of the master, the expectation of the master. The third will be the consequence for rejecting the master, the consequence for rejecting the master. And fourthly, the role of the, of the church as a vineyard. The role of the church as a vineyard. Will you please give me a second? I have to find my way here. i will move my pages. I've got to a little bit walk again, organize. All right. So the care of the master. That's the first part, the care of the master. So I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Let me sing to my beloved, my loved son, concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it, and he cleared it with stones, and he planted with choice vines. He built a wash tower in the midst of it, and he hew out vines that in it. And he looked for what? For grapes, but he yield wild grapes. So to begin with, we have to understand what, what is a vineyard? What is a vineyard? So a vineyard... Is a cultivated field or garden, sometimes surrounded by wall in which vines and other trees were grown. And here in this passage, Israel is being described as a vineyard. It's being compared as a vineyard. It's being described as a people that, that were taken, that were put under God's care in order for them to grow and to develop. And what I saw from this passage, as I was reading, and this is what I mean by the care of the master. This is the care that we see that the master had for the people of Israel. The Lord Lord takes them, he saves them, he cleans them. He removes all impurity, he puts protection over them. The Lord does everything so that the people of Israel can develop, can grow, they can be a nation. He does everything possible so they can be in a safe, a nurturing environment for them to prosper, for them to be a a city on a hill, for them to be a nation that brings others so that they become attractive to others. That's what the Lord does with the people of Israel. You know, this environment was an environment that they can thrive. This environment was supposed to be an environment where they feel protected. As long as they obey the Lord, as long as they obey his commandments, as long as they follow him, Israel was supposed to prosper. And as I was reading this passage, this makes me think about Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 28. It says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and so do it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on earth. If we think about Eden, Eden was a perfect place. It was a perfect environment. The Lord does everything in creation so men and women can prosper, so that they can be fruitful, they can, be, they can multiply, so that they can have dominion over everything. They were in the perfect environment. And so the same thing the Lord does with the people of Israel is creating the perfect environment for them to thrive, for them to develop, for them to grow. You know, the Lord saves us so that in what, the reason why about Genesis 1 verse 28 is that for us as Christians, for us as people of God, the Lord saves us, He, he takes us from hostile environment, he takes us from being enemy of him to being in friendship with him so that we can go back to who we're supposed to be. For us to have a little bit of a taste of what it means to be true worshipers of God. For us to go back to our created purpose, which is to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. For us to worship Him and glorify Him forever in whatever area or field that He has called you to do so. And this is what Israel was supposed to do they were supposed to be fruitful, they were supposed to multiply. There was supposed to be a, a light to the nations so that people can come and see the Lord. And that is the same thing that the Lord does with our life. He wants us to experience a little bit of what it means to be worshipers of God. Man was not created to pursue jobs, though jobs are a good thing. Man was not created to pursue entertainment, though entertainments are good things. There are many things in this world that are created, that are good, that we make it an ultimate pursuit, but yet it always lives unfulfilling. It always lives empty. We were created for God. We were created for Him. And that is what the Lord is doing here He's trying us to get us back to our created purpose, which is him. And so we see the care of the master. The master does everything for Israel and everything in Christ Jesus for us so that we can do what we were meant to do. When we do what we are meant to do, it brings more pain than enjoyment. That's what it does. This is from a, one pastor in Florida. This is Arcis Sproul. If you're not familiar with him, he passed away. And this is what he writes. The vineyard has been placed in a nursery-saving environment. Any deficiency in the harvest is due to the grapevine itself. Any deficiency is due to the grapevine itself. Often what tends to happen is that people tend to blame God for not growing or developing. Why I'm not able to do the things that I'm supposed to do. But the truth of the matter is, it has nothing to do with God. He has everything to do with us. And the same thing is true for the people of Israel. He had everything to do with him, with them. Because they failed to apply the word of the Lord into their life. And the same is true for us. When we fail to use the means of grace that the Lord has given us, when we fail to apply the truth of the word of God, when we fail to live according to it, the pain and difficulties that come into our life are due to our own actions, are due to our own lack of faith in believing him. I'm not talking about trials. We do go through trials. We do understand that the Lord brings things into our life so that we, we can grow, so we can be developed, so that we can, he can reveal to us what are those deep desires in our hearts that are pulling us away from him so that we can confess it to him so that he takes it away and now we can finally live for him. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about us just failing to abide in the word of God, which we're going to see, abiding in him. That's what leads into destruction. And so what does the Lord does? What does the Lord does? The Lord will not sit quietly and and, and watch the people of Israel turn away from him. One quick illustration. You know, now that that I'm a father, you know, and and I look at my life, and I look at my son, I will do everything possible for him to grow and to develop. I'm doing everything possible for him so that he feels that he's in a safe and nurturing environment. So I'm going to make sure that he has a, a trust fund, something where when he turns 18 years old, he can um, go to college or whatever he decides to do for the rest of his life. I'm going to make sure that he has his diaper. I'm going to make sure that he has his bottle. I'm make sure that he's sleeping. I'm going to make sure that I am creating an environment for him to thrive, to develop, and to grow. And that is the same thing that the Lord does for us. If you're a parent, you do everything that you can for your children, for them to develop and grow. If you're children, if you have a favorite toy, you're going to make sure that people take care of their toy. I think about uh, Jackson right here. He has a coin collection. He's so excited about his coin collection that he knows when a coin is missing, Because he cares for his coin collection. He wants to make sure that nothing is missing. He wants to make sure that everything is in the right place. So it is the same thing that the Lord does for our life. He wants to make sure that you are not missing absolutely nothing. That you have everything that you need in order to prosper and to grow in life. And that is the same thing that he was doing with the people of Israel. But the... Though the people of Israel were given everything, though the people of Israel were given special protection, um, though they were put in an environment in which nothing can obstruct their growth, nothing can obstruct their growth. God gave them pure religion. God gave them excellent law. God gave them the ordinance to help them to know who have a relationship with God? God put a protection, the walls, everything. He does everything for them so that they can thrive and to flourish. But yet, the people of Israel did not respond as they ought to be. So, that is the care of the Master. The Lord does everything. And because the Lord does everything, He has to have expectations. Just like I have expectations of my child. The Lord has expectation for our life. And so second point is this. First point was the care of the master. Second point is this. The expectation of the master. Verse 3 and 4. And now, O oh, inhabitant of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more dare to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? It's like like the Lord's sadness. As a parent, I will be brokenhearted now that I've done everything for Zion to grow and to develop. Everything for him, I've taught him the way of the Lord. He makes professional faith. Then he decides to go to college. And then once he goes to college, he gets this trust from money. He has all this. And I say, you know what? Forget my parents. Forget my church. Forget everything. I'm going to live my life for me. Me, myself, and I, I'm not going to live for the Lord. I will be brokenhearted. And the same is true for the Lord. Brokenhearted for how the people of Israel, rather than producing grapes. Why? They produce wild grapes. Why? Why, if I have done all of these things for you, are you acting sinfully in rebellion against me? It makes absolutely no sense when everything that the Lord does for the people of Israel to show that he loves them, and he cares for them, and then they do not produce what they ought to produce. And that is the same question that we should ask ourselves. Why if the Lord loves me and cares for me? Why if Jesus died and came and died for me on the cross? Why am I not acting in the way in which to bring glory and honor unto him? The Lord has expectations, and we should seek to meet the expectations of the Lord, because he does everything for us possible. Uh, commentary on the Bible um, that we are probably familiar with uh, is uh, Matthew Henry. This is what he writes. He writes. He looks for fruit because he had reason to expect fruit. Those who enjoy the privilege of the vineyard should bear fruit. While grapes are fruits of the corrupt nature, hypocritical, counterfeit, the grapes were expected to, to produce right judgment and right behavior. They were supposed to produce honesty, in all of their dealing, humility, meekness, patience, love, prayer, and praises, and content with the Lord. But rather, the people of Israel produce the opposite. And so the Lord has expectations for our life, and rightly so, rightly so, for he does everything so that we can be with him. But the Lord will not sit there idly and watch his people turn away from him, watch his people continue to think that they can enjoy the benefits of being part of the vineyard. And so now we're going to see the consequence for rejecting the master. There are consequences when we reject the master. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through seven. And now I tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I remove I will remove its edges and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it should be trampled down. I will make it a waste, and it should be pruned, it should not be pruned or whole, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain opening. For the vineyard, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are in pleasant planting, and I look for justice but behold bloodshed, for righteousness will behold outcry. This is what they place with the people of Israel. If you see their history, if you, see, you read the, uh, the book of Kings, you will see the demise of the people of Israel. It is a, the own constant rejection of God's word. The Lord comes back and he saves them, he provides kings, and yet they go back to their own sinful behaviors and action. And so when we reject the Lord, when we reject his kindness, when we reject his goodness, The protection that the people of Israel, gone. The rain that's supposed to help them, the blessing, let's call it, the blessing that's supposed to help them grow and strive and develop, gone. Now they are open for attack, open for anything to come into their life and make their life difficult. That's what takes place for the people of the Lord. This is what takes place For the house of Israel and the house of Judah and what was their sin they fail they fail to provide justice and righteousness they fail to do those things nothing hard most in this long list of do's and don'ts no, do do what is right obey the Lord the reason why the commandments are given to the people of Israel is so that they know what it is to follow him that's it so when we reject the Lord, there are consequences. Again, R.C. Pro writes, the, the Lord ultimately removes the edge of protection. The Lord will withdraw the covenant protection. Uh, Albert Muller, the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said, writes, the Lord will bring about his wrath on his people because of all of their injustice and oppression. Pastor John McCutter um, of Grace Church in California writes The owner made everything conceivable, conceivable provision for the vine's productivity and protection, illustrating the Lord's purely gracious choice of Israel. Justifiably, he expected it to yield good fruit from his invested, investment. But vines produce sour berries, inedible and only for dumping. And because of that, the Israel no longer led into captivity. They were, walls are gone. They were no longer the nation that they were supposed to be. So that's what takes place when the people of Israel reject God, and so to illustrate this a little bit more, let's turn to Matthew chapter twenty-one, verse thirty-three, verse to verse forty-four. It's going to be in page eight hundred and twenty-seven of the Church Bible. This is the parable of the tenants. Here. Another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put fence around it and dug it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower and laced it to tenants. And he went into another country when season for fruit drew near, he sent his servant to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenant looked his servant and beat one, kill another, and stone another. And again, he sent another servant more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his own son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have an inheritance. And they took him and drew him out of the vineyard And kill him. When therefore the owner of the Avenger comes, what what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretched to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to others, and lend out the vineyard to other tenants, who he will give him the fruit in their season. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scripture? The stone that the builder rejects has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and isn't it marvelous in our eyes? Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to the people, producing fruit. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. And when he falls on anyone, it will crush him. So here the Lord is speaking to the Jews and he's telling them, hey, I sent my prophets, sent my kings, my teachers, and then I finally sent my son and you rejected him. But in your very actions, in your wicked behavior, you didn't know what you were doing. But salvation came into the world. The son is Jesus. The cornerstone is Christ. Christ came into this world so that all those who believe and trust in him are no longer cast out, are no longer living in misery, misery in separation from him. But now, by trusting and believing in Christ Jesus, you can be brought in. You can be drafted into this new vineyard, into this new house, so that you can come in under his care And bear much fruit. It is a marvelous thing. It is a wonderful thing. We were once lost, but now we are brought in into the kingdom of God. All of the privilege that I mentioned that the people of Israel had now has been given to all those who repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be protected? Do you want to strive, develop, and grow? Do you want to feel nurtured even when times are difficult? And do you want to see when even in your difficult times, your suffering is meaningful? Come to the Lord. Believe upon Him. Trust in Him. Follow Him. It won't be easy. There will be temptations, there will be trials but we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and let it have its full effect so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you suffer as a Christian, it is not meaningless. It is meaningful. It is pruning you. It is shaping you. It is molding you for you to have a relationship, to deepen your relationship with the Lord. But if you're not with the Lord all the suffering, pain, and difficulty that you're going through have no meaning. It's just there. I pray that the suffering causes you to question your life, to question the choices that you are making, and that it will lead you to the ultimate healer, that will lead you to the master who will care for you, who will love you. We will make sure that all your needs are met. Will you please come to the Lord if you have not trusted and believed in Him? It's not only is He calling you to be on His protection while you are on this earth. It's a side note. He's calling you for you to be in eternity with Him. To enjoy Him. To delight in Him. That's what He's calling you to. That's what the Lord... Came, die, so that you may have a relationship with him. So, what is the role of the church as the vineyard? Let's turn to our call to worship. John 15, verse 1 to 8. It's on page 901 from the Pew Bible. So, what is the role of the church as the vineyard? So now that we know that we are under his care and under his love, what is it that we have to do? Very simple. unless he abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears most fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into fire and burned. If you abide in me, in my words, abiding you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. So what are fruits? Um, fruits usually mean edible fruits and vegetable, but it can also be translated as offspring, deeds, actions, results, or profit. In an agrarian society, Fruit is a good thing. It is the result of hard work and careful tending. Today we might use the word fruit in phrases such as fruit of our labors to communicate the result of our effort. Even if we do not harvest strawberries or apples, we can have fruits. Something to show for our works in our paychecks, a finished project, or even baby. So, fruit is not just the aspect of what we eat or, or the vegetable, but also the, the, the works. It's, it's what you have worked hard for. It's what you have, whatever you put in, you expect a result. And just to add, the fruit here is also here more specifically, it's talking about the fruit of this period. So, what is to bear fruit? Bearing fruit refers to doing good work, such as honesty, modesty, love, etc. By applying the word of God in your life or fruit bearing in good deeds, that, the, that is the result of the application, again, of God's word on your life. This is why Jesus Christ is calling us to abide in him. He's not calling us to, okay, you're a Christian, go ahead and try to live your life, go and try to figure out how to bear fruit, and you say, no, 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 abide in me, and I will abide in you. By doing these things, you will produce more fruit. By doing these things, by spending time with me, by spending time in prayer, by spending time in the word, by fellowship with other believers. He's saying, I will help you produce fruit. So he's not calling us to be independent, long wolf, try to make our, our Christian life better. No, he's calling just just abide in me. So how is it that we bear fruit? I already kind of pointing that out. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ to abide in Christ is to spend time with him his word using the means of grace that he has provided for us to grow that's how we abide in him that's how we bear fruit so what are the fruits that um, the Lord wants us now as as the vineyard now the church as the vineyard what is the fruits that the Lord uh, wants to produce in us and call for us to produce Uh, Galatians chapter 16. Sorry, there's no Galatians chapter 16. (laughs) If you were turning there, I don't know, you would not find it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 24. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to verse 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirits are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you, look at that, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So there's a war taking place in your life. If you gratify the desires of the flesh, right, you you are quenching the spirit, right? If you give yourself to the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is whenever we give ourselves to our desires, our passions and what I want, it is, it's when we, we, we quench the spirit, and it's when we give um, power to, to the devil to, to do the worst thing in our life. So the desires of the flesh are there to keep you from doing what you ought to be doing as a Christian, All right? Now, the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, faith of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, origin, and things like this. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness gentleness self control against such things there against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the flesh with his passions so so here here we are we are seeing these are the fruits that we are to be producing and and these fruits right should be showering us as we live our day to day life as you mentioned, I didn't mention career. I didn't mention entertainment. I didn't mention those things that we do as, as fruit. The fruit is the spiritual things that the Lord gives us so that we use it in the world so that as us others see our lives, they can see Christ in us. So whatever work you are, whatever studies, whatever... Feel what anything that you are doing in your life, allow these things to be manifested day to day so they become attractive to others who do not know Christ. This is the fruits that we ought to be producing. These are the things that we ought to be doing as the church, as the vineyard of God. And the reason why we are able to do this, right? This is why we are able to do this Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I did not write the page number for that one, so, but we are pretty familiar with the psalm, so if you want to recite it, go for it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Him. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me into path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is watching over you. The Lord is caring for you. The Lord is walking with you. The Lord is blessing you. And this is why we out to be seeking to produce fruit more and more and more day by day. That is the care of the master. That is the care that he has for his children, for his people, for all those who believe in him. When I became a Christian, when I found out that the Lord wanted to have a relationship with me, it was wonderful. He was awesome. And to this day, he has not changed. Because as I read this scripture and I see, wow, what the world promised never, never leads to greater satisfaction and enjoyment that I have since I've followed the Lord. It does not. And so, in light of all this, I, I recognize that we fall short. Right? We, we know that we should not be following the desires of the flesh. We know that we're not supposed to get angry. Right? Even now, this newborn baby that I have in my hand, all he knows how to do is cry for food, cry when he's poopy, cry when he feels that he's feeling lonely. right? And I know that. And I know as a parent why he's crying. But that takes away my frustration. Why are you crying? It doesn't. I still feel like I don't know what else to do. I changed your diaper, I gave you food, we did some playtime, and you're still crying. You know, the Lord has brought into my life to reveal that which is dirty and nasty inside of me. We do fall short. We don't produce the fruit that we ought to be producing. But here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. The gospel is not just for our salvation. But the gospel is a continual work on Christ into our life until we are with him perfectly, lacking in nothing. You are under God's protection. You are under his care. You are under the best arm you could be to bear fruit. Fruit. Maybe you're asking yourself, but I'm not consistent in my walking. I am not consistent in the actions that I'm supposed to be doing. I am not consistent in my reading. I am not consistent in my prayer. I still get angry. I still get jealous. I still see those things that, that the Lord said those who have these things in their life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I still see these things. But let me tell you what John writes. John writes this John tells us us that the Lord prunes us. John tells us that the Lord prunes us. He says that the Lord will take away everything that hinders our growth. He will take away everything that prevents us from truly producing true fruit. This is what pruning is all about. We go to the Lord, we confess our sin, we confess our shortcomings, we confess those things and we have fallen short because the Lord will prune you. That's what pruning is all about. It's taking away those things that that hinders flowers and plants, any things that try to untangle to take away the energy from those plants. If you're a gardener, you, you constantly have to be checking your flower bed. You constantly have to be checking those things because if you're not, weeds are going to grow and will take, soak the life away from those beautiful flowers. And so the Lord uses trial and difficulties in our life to reveal those things that are hindering us. As we confess those things, the Lord takes it away and he prunes us. So as you see the Lord revealing deep things in your life that are not in conformity with him, Confess those things. Go to Him. Trust upon Him. Believe upon Him. That's, that's the Master that we serve. He cares for us. The Master that we serve expect us to, to bear fruit. And the reason why He expects us for us to bear fruit is because He has done everything possible for you, the church, for us to do those things. He does not leave us to our own care, but He's there all along in our walk, to make sure that we produce fruits. Now we are about to partake in the Lord's Supper, you know, vines. We are about to perfect picture, perfect representation of, of the, what grapes are supposed to do. They're supposed to produce wine. And so now, here we see the image of the Lord, how we are going to celebrate with him Celebrate the work that he has done in our life. This is what the word of the Lord said. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took cup, the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat it, eat of this bread and drink of this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until you come. If you have trusted in Christ Jesus, if you are part of his vineyard, if you have trusted and believing in him, will you please come and partake? If you do not know the Lord, please talk to one of our elders. There's Josh, there's John, there's Clifton, Please reach out to them, because this is what the Master wants for you. He wants to care for you. If we have um, the, the elements are right up front, if you do not feel comfortable with grabbing the elements here, there are some pre-made packages on the back. And if you need help, raise your hand. Uh, Elder Josh will assist you with that. Um, so please, let us partake. Uh, the Lord's Supper.